Welcome to the Truth of the Matter is podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and this is episode 142. Let's begin by recognizing and appreciating all of our new and consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. And of course, I pray that this podcast, regardless of the episode that you listen to, will and is actually a blessing to you. So what an interesting week it's been for me. Last week, I would say what made it so interesting. A lot of different developments, a lot of different experiences that I had. And I think there was some benefits and I also think there was some letdowns. Of course, this is life that tends to be what occurs and happens. I think the best part about it is about adjustments that you have to make. Things that allow you to process what occurs and now it's up to you to decide what's going to happen moving forward. Of course, it was Super Bowl weekend. I hope everyone that consumed the game enjoyed it, consumed the halftime show, enjoyed it. And now we are back to our regularly scheduled program and that is going to work and that is doing things that you have to do as it starts in the week obviously there have been talks about potentially making the day after the Super Bowl a holiday but unfortunately that's not going to happen I think the impact of the Super Bowl in general is a day in which most people enjoy and travel and find to be amazing with all the things that come along with the Super Bowl the commercials the snacks, the relationships that you have where you can gather together and enjoy each other's company. That's part of the process. And I believe even those who don't necessarily have a love for the game can still enjoy other parts of the Super Bowl experience, gathering with family members, friends, potentially going to a party at a particular restaurant that is hosting there's so much you can enjoy about it so i hope everyone enjoyed it i'm not sure if everyone agrees with the outcome but it's sports greatness should be respected and honored and therefore as a result of that i think it was a good one now moving forward getting out of the super bowl football sport talk and more into what this podcast is about obviously it's about god's word it's about applying it so When I reflected, there were three ways the Lord blessed me. Normally, I do three or two. I will provide you maybe three. So I reached out to a gentleman who is a YouTube creator. And surprisingly, he responded back to me through email. Now, I call this a blessing because not everyone is friendly in this space. From my experience, when it comes to podcasts, it comes to YouTube. Not everybody wants to do so the sort of conversation type of thing because some people feel like this judgment some people feel that there's opportunities where you can take someone's audience there's so much going on in that space that people are hesitant they are afraid of being vulnerable and not everybody wants to make friendships and relationships some people are doing it for a lot of different reasons now the youtube space obviously is a money-making platform and for me personally as i say to here on this podcast and I continue to state it because I truly believe it. And that is, 
I have no interest in doing this for money. I honestly just enjoy and love talking about Jesus because it's a reward for my mind, for my spirit. I genuinely enjoy studying the word of God and I appreciate everyone who finds it in themselves to listen to me and the thoughts that I have about God's word. Now, I have never spoken to a YouTube creative. I myself am not a YouTube creative and don't plan to be one. I'm a podcaster. And so I can't wait to have this gentleman on my podcast. He seems very genuine, thoughtful, and therefore I think he would be a blessing to us. And I believe he is a blessing to me. And I believe that he can be a blessing to the body of Christ with what he has to share in terms of his testimony and in terms of where God has led him to utilize his gifts, talents, and abilities to be beneficial to others who are electing to actually listen to this gentleman. Now, when I bring a guest on, my hope is that their testimony, their walk with Christ can be an encouragement, an example for someone who is listening or motivating for those who listen and love hearing about other people's walk with Christ and how that is mutually encouraging you, okay? I believe there are a lot of things that you can learn from somebody's walk and therefore we should treasure these moments when we hear about a person and their continuous journey with the Lord. I think it's Romans chapter 1 verse 7. It says, let us be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. And therefore, that's one of the reasons why I think testimonies definitely should be advertised, should be heard. And you'll be surprised how someone's testimony very well might be similar to yours or might be something that you needed to hear because you might be going through something similar. Now, the second way the Lord has blessed me will have to be the, the experience of going through what I would call trial and error, right? You're trying things out and it doesn't always work out. Well, the beautiful thing is when you have the chance and the opportunity to try something, different things turn out to be a response. That's the whole important thing about trying things, right? I know that this may sound simple, but I believe it's a blessing. So the numerous amount of times that you go through something and something that the, I guess the experience that ends up being the final results you don't like, guess what? You learn from it. And when you learn from it, you try something different and you try something different. And I would say people who have taken chances and businesses and investments learn from their previous experiences. And that's why you say you try, try again until there's a success or there's an experience where you get blueprints, right? I'm learning this as well when it comes to logic games, that in order to get better at logic games, you have to try things. You have to place things in scenarios because through those scenarios, give you more knowledge and insight about the game and more knowledge and insight when it comes to how your brain works in those moments and situations. So if you're not used to something, then guess what? You're going to struggle. So that trial and error aspect allows you to grow through the experience. Same thing with lifting weights, right? If I'm, my desire is to get, to lift more, to get stronger, then there are going to be times that I'm going to lift more heavier weight to challenge myself. And I might be lifting to failure. I might not get the amount of reps that's set, 
but my body is responding to the fatigue because I'm pushing myself. And it's supposed to be a challenge so that you can make the adjustment later. And maybe if you go into it with an ego, you probably are humbled. These are different things that speak to the concept of trial and error. It's important that we go through these things. The more you learn from your mistakes, the better you're going to get. That's ultimately what I believe. Now, you can apply this in friendships and business deals and training, conversation, life experiences where you have life decisions, right? The goal is to avoid making the same mistakes more than three times. They sometimes say it's two times the charm, right? But your whole por- the whole purpose is to learn from the first mistake that you might have made. But you don't want to make it more than three times. Making it more than three times obviously means you're not learning from it because the behavior and the way you are reacting to the situation is not guaranteeing any sort of growth from it. So keep that in mind, right? When people show you who they are, believe them, right? If you have to say goodbye to someone, I would say don't be afraid to let them walk right out of your life. As you get older, your circle of friends, acquaintances, might get smaller. It's okay if that happens. My suggestion is that you don't panic. Don't be concerned. It's not the end of the world, even though it may seem and feel that way in the moment. This, friends, is life. And part of life is learning through trial and error. Amen. So what I just did is I gave you an example on how maybe the friendships that you have, you want them to be more useful and much more beneficial. And maybe the conversations that you're having are not productive. So what do you do? You change paths to make the interactions that you have more insightful. Maybe you've been talking about something in particular that's not I suppose stimulating you, right? So what do you do? You make adjustments. There are phrases that say, show me who you are by showing me who your friends are, right? It's a thing where it seems as though the friendships that you have can encourage you to be much more greater and better than you are now in terms of what you are striving for. Some people say they would rather have friends that are much more successful because then you have something to then chase after and pursue as averse to having people around you that aren't looking to benefit themselves and therefore they sort of staying in the comfort zone of where they are. And then there are times where I think as followers of Christ, it was our goal and it should be our intentions to encourage people as well around us, right? The whole purpose is some believe you shouldn't be the smartest person in your group of friends. And there's also a belief that If, in fact, you are someone that is a man or woman of faith, it is your goal and it's your responsibility to be intentional about how we can grow together in some capacity. And that takes taking the initiative to make sure that we grow together and we hold one another accountable. Just like the scriptures hold us accountable, it's important that if we are followers of Christ, ambassadors of Christ, we also should be holding one another accountable. That's how we grow. That's how we mature into what God is calling us into. And with that being said, those are two ways I feel like the Lord has blessed us. One more additional way I want to say the Lord has blessed me is through reflection. And I know I've said this before, but reflection is so vital, so important. 
because without it, you don't know what works. You don't know what you have to change. And if you think you are operating and living in this place of perfection, then I think you are sadly mistaken. I think the only way for you to improve is to take a look at what is working and how can things improve and get better and make those adjustments. And that's paying close attention to what you're doing and where you're where you're actually failing at and what can you do to change the trajectory of where you're going. And that's through reflection. So I appreciate reflection. I'm always going to appreciate reflection because that is something that I think God has enabled us to do, to take a look at some of the choices we made throughout the week and decide what did I do that wasn't fruitful? What have I done that I could have done better at? And I think in that moment is where you grow and mature into who God called you to be. You recognize where you made a mistake or where you made a decision that you probably didn't like. And then your goal is to go back after you got that information and make adjustments so that you could be more efficient and more responsible and more mature in your thinking and in the choices that you're making. So I hope that what I've shared today in terms of how God has blessed me encourages you to then consider how the Lord has blessed you throughout the week. And it could be a numerous amount of things, things that you didn't consider, but now that you, that, now that you consider and people who have done things for you that have benefited you to now appreciate the fact that you encountered these people or that these people said things to you as reminders. God is present in our day. We just have to pay close attention to the details of how he is present in our day. And on that note, let's go right into the Lord's Prayer. We're going to pray. And then from there, I will tell you what the conversation of the podcast is going, what direction we're going into today. So, oh God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another chance to fellowship with you. Any moment with you is a blessing in itself. We take nothing for granted. Instead, we appreciate everything that comes with your presence. If we are not right with you, Lord, in any way, I pray that we have the courage to address it immediately. If there's a need for correction, we accept it. If there's a need for repentance, we accept it. If there's a need for accountability, we accept it. If there's a need to apologize, then the apology is in order. Whatever we need to do to make things right for others, for our sake of what is right, I pray that we move with a purpose to do so and not allow pride to be present and alive. As we go to your word today, open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand. I pray that something is learned today and applied at any given point when required. I also pray, Lord, that the importance of doing things is to improve and to be better ambassadors and representatives of you. So when I speak about making things right for our sake is because a lot of times we are making mistakes that we may not necessarily agree with. And it's through reflection and it's through being called out to where we can make the change 
and therefore appreciate the correction so that the choices that we're making are choices that benefit the body and also benefit us. If you are in agreement, join as we say, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So continuing with the Gospel of Matthew series, we have our first segment that I've started in the Gospel of Luke and now bring into the Gospel of Matthew. And that segment is called Startling Discoveries. So this is going to be part one in the Gospel of Matthew series. We have three parts in the Gospel of Luke, Luke series. And if you're interested to understand what starting and discoveries are, I suggest that you go back and check those other episodes out because I have three in total here. We have four in total when it comes to the three in Luke and it comes to the first of its kind in Matthew. For those who don't know what the segment starting and discoveries is, it's basically an episode where I point out in my study parts in it where I have more questions than answers. I repeat that. Starting in startling discoveries is a segment where I point out in my personal study how I have more questions than answers. Which is why it's called startling discoveries. And I find them to be fascinating. The truth of the matter is I believe as Bible believing Christians, followers of Christ, we need to be honest and humbled enough to say that we don't know the answer or we are not sure why this isn't mentioned more. I believe that's how you grow in the faith. I don't believe when it comes to our faith that we need to know everything because there is no way that we can know everything. I think God does certain things on the need to know basis. I believe God keep certain things from us because we're not mature enough and our walk to understand it. I think it was intentional when Jesus told his disciples, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. I think those particular situations, that particular verse and how it applies to each of us individually, we can have moments and times that in that reflection that I spoke about, it talks about how if we're being honest with ourselves, that if we were in a certain state, in a certain frame of mind, there's a high possibility, if we're humble enough, that we can see, I see why God kept me from knowing about this. I see why God didn't allow me to see this. Because if he did, there's a high possibility that you might have been destroyed from it. Or you might have regretted the fact that you could have responded ill illy and then that could have caused a lot of issues so god knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to how masterful he is at revealing certain things to us at times and allowing certain things to settle and allowing us to grow mature into the people that we are before he moves us to the next place and how he wants to use us so something to think about something to consider so what i have to present to you today is interesting because it was something that I discovered in my Bible reading personal study time. If you have any questions, you're always open to reaching out to me. If you have an answer for what I'm saying today, you're open to reach out to me. You can reach out to me on Instagram or TikTok 
and that's at the truth of tmis again it's the truth of tmis altogether and you could also email me at speedit 83 at gmail.com s p e e d e d 83 at gmail.com i like to say speed put ed at the end of it and then put 83 at gmail.com that's where you can find me and with that being said we're going to go to the passage today so we're going to the gospel of matthew chapter 9 and we're taking a look at verses 18 through 26 english standard version so my plan is to read it straight through and then break it down so that you can see my questions and thoughts then we will of course end with devotional time as usual so i'm not going to spend that much time with you today however i think these questions in itself can spark curiosity in each and every one of us to then go back and read the scriptures with the intent of understanding and with the intention of being curious about what we don't understand okay amen so let's get started verse 18 while he was saying these things to them behold a ruler came up and knelt before him saying my daughter has just died but come and lay your hand on her and she will live and jesus rose and followed him with his disciples and behold a woman who has suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fragment of his garment for she said to herself if only i can touch his garment i will be made well jesus turned seeing her he said take heart daughter your faith has made you well and instantly the woman was made well and when jesus came when jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a convention he said go away for the girl is not dead but sleeping and he laughed at him but when the crowd had been put outside he went in took her by the hand and the girl arose and the report of this went through all the district so beginning at verse 18 i found this verse to be very started and let me reread that first and then we'll talk about it verse 18 while he was saying these things to them behold a ruler came in and up before him saying my daughter has just died but come and lay your hands on her and she will be well or she will live so depending on the translation whoever this gentleman was i'm not sure but i believe it's important to know and i'll tell you why in just a second in the english standard version it says a ruler of some sort when I found in the NIV, it says a synagogue leader. Most translations I looked over are echoing these two titles of what the man was. There is no name that comes with this gentleman, but a ruler is a leader, of course, of some sort. A synagogue leader would mean the gentleman is a religious figure and therefore his faith plays a role in his choices way of life so my question is why would this gentleman feel so comfortable and be so adamant about jesus that he takes such a request that he makes such a request that he has no proof of evidence of this was fascinating to me i'll repeat the question why would this gentleman feel so comfortable and be so adamant about jesus that he makes such a request that he has no proof or evidence of in this request. 
this ruler, this synagogue official believed that Jesus was capable of raising his daughter from the dead. That he believed so much that the text says, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So there's no doubt he's sure. But my question is, what gave him the courage to believe and think that's possible? Remember, at this time, it was considered blasphemous to put your faith in a man like this. And here you have this ruler or the synagogue official placing their faith in Jesus, who is just a man to many when it comes to his physical appearance. When I took a look back at chapter 8, we have evidence of Jesus healing a bunch of people. So let's go to verse 14 through 17 in chapter 8. For it says, when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So hypothetically, could it be possible that the word got back to the ruler or the synagogue official? Sure. But it doesn't explain how we're looking at healings and casting of demons being set free and all of a sudden the ruler the synagogue leader suggested the idea of could Jesus bring the dead back to life that's a huge jump that's a huge request this was a startling discovery for me now when you think about it in that period in time and you think about the amount of people who were being crucified for what would be considered blasphemous it just didn't make sense to me so early the request just didn't make sense to me okay Let's continue. Verse 20. And behold, a woman who has suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fragment of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Why was this a start of the discovery for me? Well, what made her believe she could be healed if she touched something of Jesus? What gave her confidence to believe that? We know that he laid hands, but we don't know someone insinuating that if I got my hands on him, I would be miraculously healed. It tells you a lot about Christ's essence and it tells you a lot about the mind of this woman to even try this idea. 
almost feels as though because she believed it and she came in counter of truth, it was already done. But I digress. I'm not sure. We could assume that she must have heard about Jesus. But again, there's no telling her that this would have worked. So to take the courage to do such a thing is amazing. It truly is. So I love Jesus' response in the King James Version. He said, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole, which means many of us, just like her, are incomplete until we found who? That would be Jesus. And once you find Jesus, you are made whole again. The key here is, what did it take? Well, it took the act of faith, which is what you need because without it, it's impossible to please who? Oh yeah, God. Who would who would have thought that, right? If you go to Hebrews eleven six, it was said very profound and straight to the point. Right. Now, once Jesus gets to the house, what does he say? Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. Why did Jesus called? Why did Jesus call death when he's sleeping? Now, I understood why the people around laugh, because that makes no sense. Logically, it makes no sense. That's foreign to many of us, right? Now, Jesus takes the girl by the hand, and she arose, and verse 26 ends by saying, The report of this went through all of that district. But in Scripture, we never hear about this story again. In fact, I don't ever recall ever hearing a sermon from a pastor preach on Jesus' first demonstration of bringing a little girl who was dead back to life. It almost feels like this story goes untold and overlooked. And my question is why? This was early in Jesus' ministry, and yet the demonstration that gets all the attention is the Lazarus resurrection. And why would that why would you think that is? Well, I think Lazarus had a relationship with the disciples and therefore his fame is much more noticeable. But the little girl and her resurrection is barely acknowledged and spoken about. This is why I said this is a start of the discovery. I have more questions than answers in this section of Matthew chapter nine. And it's truly fascinating to me because, again, I don't recall hearing much about this Jesus resurrecting this little girl and no one talking about it. No one even referencing it in the later texts. It's fascinating to me. There's a verse in the Bible, not sure exactly where it is. That I'm curious and and I, I had a thought about is that Jesus says something I believe in a prayer that I healed all those you have sent to me. I healed all those that you have sent to me. He even talks about that I've taken care of all those you gave me. Now I think that's specifically 
be disciples. But there's somewhere in the scriptures where it speaks to how in order for one to come, one must be sent. And I do believe possibly, and this is me going out on a limb. This is not me saying that's exactly the answer, but it could be very much possible that those were there was some who were aware of the coming of the Messiah. And therefore, when he did come, I think it's very clear in Isaiah about what he was going to do. People heard it and some believed it to be prophecy being filled. And some had questions because when you look at through the leaders throughout the Old Testament up until this point, a lot of them were men of war. And here you have Jesus coming in a completely different way that they didn't anticipate and therefore a lot of his philosophies remember they thought he was gonna he was gonna lead a revolution or something of that sort right but his approach and what he was doing was completely different and threw people off so you know this was interesting to me it may not be to some it may be to others but i want to end with this it's okay to have questions and a walk away with no answers. This is what makes the word of God interesting and mysterious. If anyone has an answer for me, let me know. I'm open to having a conversation about it. And the beautiful thing about fellowshipping with other people is that maybe God opened up their eyes to some truth that I, he hasn't opened up my eyes to. But when we fellowship, we then learn about God much more. Anytime two or three are gathered there, he is in the midst, which means that if we're gathering for the sole purpose to understand his word more, then I think we will be much more inclined to hear what somebody else is thinking and what they have to share and the conclusion that they came to. And to me personally, I'm open to that. And you should be. Because I think at the end of the day, we all should be striving to grow and to learn more about God. And one of the ways of doing that is being open to conversations like this. So these are the questions that I raise in my reading this week. And I don't want to just gloss over these passages, these verses and be like, oh, yeah, you know, there's got to be a reason behind it. But I want to show you that even I reading the Bible do not have all the answers. And because I'm reading it intentionally. I want to employ this approach to each and every one who's also listening. It's okay to have questions. So, you're open to having a conversation with me? Contact me on Instagram or TikTok. And those, and it's the truth of T M I S. Like I said earlier, you can also rewind it back to get it. The truth of T M I S in email speed ed at the end of it, a3 at gmail.com. Again, speed ed at the end of it. A3 at gmail.com. And with that being said, of course, we finish with devotional time. So we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 in the NLT. And it says, Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. As believers, we are students of God's word. My suggestion is to remain teachable and always ready to talk about God's word. 
If you don't know, be patient and allow God to reveal the truth to you in due time. Something new we're closing with begins like this. The Truth for the Matters podcast audience. Until next time, be careful, be vigilant, and watchful as we depart one another but never your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.